Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Chaw. Although it doesn't have a robust Irish immigrant population, Rolla, Missouri boasts one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day celebrations in the Midwest, and the annual party has been going on for over a century. As a journalist wrote in the early 1900s, after visiting the town on St. Patrick's Day, quote, Rolla is a town you ought to see before you go to Paris and die. To learn more, producer Emily Woodbury sat down with St. Louis Public Radio correspondent Jonathan All and Missouri S&T historian Larry Gregg to learn more. Larry Gregg, thank you for joining us on St. Louis on the Air. Oh, it's a treat to be with you. And Jonathan All, thank you for joining us as well. It's great to be here. Thanks. So, Jonathan, when did you realize that Rolla goes big for St. Patrick's Day? Oh, boy. It was in 2019 because that was the first year that I lived in Rolla. And ever since I'd moved to Rolla, people had been talking about St. Patrick's Day being a big deal. Um, and, you know, they'd, they'd be out selling sweatshirts, like, you know, months and months before, which is a big deal, the, the annual sweatshirt that, that came out. But I think the moment that I really really internalized that it was a big deal was two days before St. Patrick's Day. I got up to go for a run in my neighborhood. A lot of students live in that neighborhood. And it was about seven o'clock in the morning and I passed three porch parties at at 7 a.m. Now, I don't know (laughs) if they'd started early or whether they were still going from the night before, but I'm like, this is a little more serious than I may have thought. (laughs) <laughs> and Larry, you're a historian from Missouri S&T. When did Rolla's tradition of celebrating the holiday begin? Oh, goodness. Uh, this year we're, we're claiming that this is our 115th celebration of, of St. Pat's. Actually, we missed four years. During World War II, uh, we canceled the St. Pat's celebrations for three years. And then in 2020, because of the pandemic, we had to cancel it then. But we've this will be... Well over 100 years that the campus has been celebrating uh, St. Patrick. And what's the origin of this holiday? Why did Rolla begin celebrating St. Patrick's Day in 1908 in a, in a really communal way? Oh, good question. Uh, for years, students would do a little more than wear green, like, like most people do on, on St. Patrick's Day. But the, the University of Missouri-Columbia, which had an in engineering college before uh, this campus, the Missouri School of Mines Metallurgy was established, and had engineering degree programs there, students there in 1903 decided they would start a St. Patrick's Day celebration, and it was up and rolling for five years, and then they invited students from the Rolla campus to come up to Columbia and see what they were doing, and we, we sent one representative, and he came back so excited that literally overnight, the students put together the plans for a one-day St. Pat's celebration in March 1908. I, I do want to just throw in here that that is not the story that I heard 
uh, about the the origin of St. Patrick's Day. Really? There are a number of them out. They're all false. Larry's got the real deal. <laughs> but just to show how this has become such a thing there, there are competing stories about the origin that are just simply not true, but they make for much better stories. So what are the myths we need to dispel this hour? Oh, I would say the number one that I heard was that um, it was because a group of students wanted off of classes on St. Patrick's Day and the dean said no, so the students kidnapped him until he agreed to make St. <laughs> Patrick's Day a day off of classes. And that was how St. Patrick's Day started. That and was the one that I've heard the most. And again, patently false. Do the students yes. have the day off today? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yes, yes. And, and Jonathan is right in, in one respect. When the, the, the student got back to Rolla and put together a committee to organize this first St. Pat's, they just simply declared there would be no classes. And to make peace with the director of the campus, they made him an honorary knight of St. Pat's. So he was the very first honorary knight of St. Pat's. Okay, and I've heard about this, the honorary knights of St. Pat's. What does it mean to be an honorary knight? Well, with that first example, uh, uh, Lewis Young, who was the director of the campus, we we started having honorary knights uh, through the mid-1920s and stopped, but in the mid-1960s revived it. And we've attracted many prominent Missourians to be in the parade as honorary knights. Uh, Senators uh, Stuart Symington, uh, Thomas Eagleton, uh, Kit Bond, John Danforth, uh, Governor. Uh, uh, two governors have been in it. So it's, it's, it's become a thing that, that honorary knights are, are pleased to take part in. Well, but Larry, they weren't all that pleased to take part in it when the new knights were thrown into Alice. Now, you and I know what that means, but can you maybe explain what getting thrown sure, into Alice sure. meant? Now, now, that that wouldn't apply to the honorary knights. Oh, that, that was just the regular the, knights. Okay. In simple terms, Alice was a big vat or a big container of some kind, and all the student knights were dunked in it. And uh, there are all kinds of stories about who it was named after, uh, my favorite one is that it was named after the secretary of the director, Lewis Young, in 1908, who alerted him that the students were going to demand that all classes be dismissed. Now, they're, <laughs> they're competing uh, stories on, on the origin, but I, I like that one the best. And, and what Alice involved, very few people had any understanding of what was in it. It was a big vat filled with perhaps roadkill, uh, food that had gone bad, Lots of beer and anything disgusting that you can imagine. Oh God! <laughs> it was discontinued in the 1990s, Larry. Is that? That's true. It became a, an enormous part of the, of the celebration. In fact, this gigantic tank was put up near the football field, and the stands were filled with students cheering on as one student night after another was dunked into the tank. But our chancellor at the time thought that we were really pushing the limits of, of liability. We could get someone hurt very badly, and he didn't want to face that, so he eliminated Alice. So it ended in the mid-1990s, that's correct. So we're talking, you know, 7 a.m. house parties, a dunking vat that's discontinued but used to be full of beer and maybe roadkill. Wow. Um, and mining sludge. And there mining was a fair sludge. amount of mine, mining sludge in so, there, too. I can't even imagine the amount of beer that gets consumed in Rolla in this holiday. It seems like a raucous party. Is this a, in a situation where sometimes residents such as yourselves want to get out of town for St. Patrick's Day? Or is the town mostly supportive of 
the celebration. Well, I oh. know I know two groups of women that plan a girls' weekend away during St. Patrick's Day to get out of town. So there, there's some of that. But overwhelmingly, the town supports it. I mean, we've been talking about some of the more colorful history. But when you're at the parade, if you go to the parade tomorrow, you're going to see a parade that looks really just like any other town pride parade. At least that's my take on it, Larry. Oh, I agree. And in most towns, people do enjoy the weekend. They buy the sweatshirts in large numbers. In fact, I was in a convenience store this morning, and you know, the folks in there had on the sweatshirts. and They had all the, the St. Patrick's swag on. Everyone was real happy saying hello. And, and there are elements to this that, that are much more highbrow than lowbrow. There, there's a very nice coronation ceremony for the Queen of Love and Beauty, there's also a very elegant knighting ceremony for the honorary knights. So it's a mix. It's a mix of, of genuine highbrow experiences and genuine lowbrow experiences. It's kind of like Rala in that respect. Oh, there you are. <laughs> and, you know, similar to Chicago dyeing its river green, uh, Rala paints its streets green for the holiday. Does that last throughout the year? No, it wears out very quickly, but they do paint the downtown street green prior to the parade starting. Oh, that sounds lovely. As a matter of fact, I, I, uh, someone tried to post on Facebook, I think, the other day that there was going to be no painting of, of the downtown street, but there was, that was quickly answered with an emphatic yes, there would be. Larry, I'm so glad you saw that, too. I was going to bring that up, that, that in one of these Facebook groups, someone said, uh, we have learned they're not going to... to paint the street screen well. Mm-hmm. It, it, it Totally false, but wow, there was a while there that people were ready to riot because they thought that wasn't going to happen. And speaking of which, I, I think it's also important, Larry mentioned 2020 was canceled because of COVID. Remember, that was right at the beginning of COVID, and there were protests outside yeah. the chancellor's residence yeah. because students thought they were making this up as an excuse to cancel St. Pat's. Now, uh, that, that, a month that, later, they true. realized that wasn't true, but... And, and every time that a chancellor has tried to walk it right down the middle by protecting students and the community and letting the, the students have a good time uh, has caused an uproar. We had a student uh, die from alcohol poisoning in 1988, and the chancellor then said, I'm not going to permit any St. Pat's Board events to have alcohol, which brought an enormous protest from the students. And when Alice was eliminated, the same thing happened. And what it tells us, I think more than anything else, is how strongly not just the students but the alumni feel about this this tradition. It's a powerful tradition. We have homecoming in the fall and the St. Pat's celebration in the spring. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the students and alumni at Missouri S&T. You know, I heard that the students do acts of service during this time, you know, they, there's also the ritual killing of a snake. Larry, tell me a little bit about that. That's true. There are some service activities that are linked to St. Pat's, and that, that's a relatively new development. But last week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, because St. Pat is known as the, the, the saint who drove the snakes from Ireland, out in front of the administration building, we have a large fenced-off area in Undergraduates bring out their shillelaghs and their cudgels, and there are rubber snakes thrown into the ground, and they spend an awful lot of time pounding the ground to kill the snakes, all the while yelling in celebration of what they're doing. And 
And when they're done, the, the real positive part of that is that the ground is well tilled and it can be seeded and and we have a nice uh, yard after that. You know, so much of it is in good fun. And, and I, I, it seems like it's one of those things where it's not about the thing, but it's about what the thing has become. That, that you can talk about St. Patrick and his connection to engineers, uh, but really St. Patrick's Day in Rala almost has nothing to do with St. Patrick and has everything to do with a community that has built on a tradition for more than 100 years. No, I, I, I agree. It, it's, it's, it's less the ethnic identification and more uh, the connection of being uh, an institution where most of the students are majoring in some, some branch of engineering. And, and it's, it's there's a powerful lingering effect of this on, on students who attended here when I was researching the history of the campus. I encountered this uh, poignant story of, of two alums who graduated in 1941, one named uh, Robert Selhavy, who was from Overland in St. Louis County, and Jean Boyd, who were captured by the Japanese in the Philippines. They were part of the Baton Death March, and they were put into a prisoner of war camp. And the two of them realized early in in, uh, in 42 that St. Pat's was approaching, so they, they took their daily ration of raisins and found a jar and set that jar out in the sun so they could get some fermentation, and they made their version of champagne to celebrate St. Pat's. And it was their effort, I think, to to find some meaningful connection to an important part of their life while they were trying to survive in a prisoner of war camp. Wow. Raisin champagne to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I'm curious to ask you both, as we head into the weekend celebrating St. Patrick's Day today, what should every Rolla resident or Rolla visitor be sure to do, keep in mind, um, bring with them for the events? To uh, quote uh, something that has been misattributed to Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. Take it all uh, yeah. in, look around, and ask questions. And that is the best way to experience St. Patrick's Day because you're going to find out it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, and there's an intriguing quote I found. Uh, I, I, I tried to find how the papers in St. Louis and Kansas City and Springfield covered this event. And I found this wonderful story in a, in a St. Louis newspaper in 1916, and the journalist said, after attending the activities, this, again, is only the eighth year of St. Pat's in Rolla, he wrote, Rolla is a town you ought to see before you go to Paris and die. <laughs> in other words, he was so taken with what he saw in Rolla, he was telling everybody, you've got to come see this next year. I love that. That was producer Emily Woodbury's conversation with St. Louis Public Radio correspondent Jonathan All and Missouri s and historian Larry Gregg. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. 
you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.